Yes, coming in hot with episode 51 of the Football Played on Paper podcast. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by a man who's been mourning all week, Philip and DMX. Jobber, how are you, mate? Yeah, look, not good. Um, obviously, <laughs> Philip, um, Prince Philip's passing hit me hard um, because I thought he'd been dead for 20 years. Um, so, how are you doing? Missing DMX already? Yeah, I am missing DMX, actually. I was bumping DMX all weekend. Um, sad to see him go out the way he did. But, um, yeah, I think I'm probably dealing with DMX better than you're dealing with Prince Philip's passing, I think. You know you, you know how he was sort of like guiding your moral compass a bit? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like we both had a we both had an aversion to um, to proper social etiquette. And we, we, we were both both born into privilege, but made such a big difference to the world. Um, anyway, look, let's, let's get let's get what's the flavour of the pod this week? Oh well, yeah. Well, we've enjoyed our vacation to start with, so um, I feel I feel refreshed. And we are into the prem. We've got an opening um, question for everyone. A um, couple of games of the prem still to come, so that we'll preview those. Then we're halfway through a juicy um, Champions League quarterfinal tie. Then we're on to uh, a multi. So let's get into it, mate. Opening question, what have you got for everyone? Yeah, so um, I just want to give you an easy one after the break. I know I've put you on the spot a bit lately, but I thought easy back in after the break with the week we've had. Um, so what's been your highlight of the season so far? We're in April. So much has gone on. What's the big ticket item for you? Oh, just generally the football's back, I think. like If you look at the what was going on at the start of the season, I think everyone was like, oh, you know, I'm not sure if we'll even get a season. And then when we started, we sort of had that little hiccup where we had a couple of weeks off. But I think the fact that football is back and there's all those games that we missed out on have been caught up and it feels like a normal season again and then we'll have fans back very soon. So I'd just say generally that we've got football back. And a side note... Honourable mention for the revival of Jesse Lingard. They're probably my two, mate. What do you got? Yeah, so I've got a similar vein. So Jay Lins gets a mensch. I think he's. Um, it's good to see his revival. But the thing that I really have enjoyed this year is um, the rebirth of David Moyes. I was sitting there on the weekend uh, watching West Ham and Leicester City and like I just had a lightning bolt and I thought, like you look at David Moyes and you're like, shit, he looks 10 years younger than when he was managing Manchester United. Like, he looks healthy. He looks like he's enjoying himself. And West Ham have been, like, absolute surprise back at this season. And he, like, he's just, like, he's got back into the operating rhythm that he had at Everton. They're so solid. Like, and they're good he, to he watch. Doesn't, he doesn't look stressed. You know, when he was at United, he looked stressed the whole time. Like, maybe yeah. that job actually was too big for him and stressed him out. Whereas at West Ham, um, which is his second time round, I think, at his yeah. um, boss at West Ham, yeah, he just looks dead comfortable. He looks so healthy, and it was um, really good to see. So, look, let's get into the weekly happenings. Obviously, a shitload has happened since we went on break. Um, big news for you was Sergio Aguero leaving Man City. What did you make of that? Yes. Oh, so that just – I like there's the debate around going around at the moment where Haaland's going. So um, I think Sergio leaving just feeds right into that. And it's probably not a big surprise. I think you could probably see that he's coming the, to the end of his Man City career. There was that comment the other week where he come off the pitch and said, no one ever passes me the ball. Um, and, yeah, I think to make way for either a messy move or a Haaland move, um, it just makes sense really. So I've got no doubt that he'll probably get a statue out the front of that joint. What do you think? Yeah, they don't have much in the way of history, so I wouldn't be surprised. But um, it would be – it's quite it's sad, isn't it? Goda, so. Yeah, <laughs> sure, Goda. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is sad because you, what what you're seeing is like the first like super superstar of a like a winning era leave Man City. Yeah, and you know I, I, mean? I know as a United fan, like it, it pains you so much. But that moment against QPR after United beat Sunderland, like you, you couldn't have written that any better. Like it was just ridiculous. And like even now, I watch it, and I obviously you know <laughs> have an aversion to Man City, but I still get goosebumps. Yeah, and then but just the other thing is how great his career could have been if he stayed injury-free. Like I think, yeah. look at his goal-scoring record. It's unbelievable. And he just misses so many games. Yeah. Like he misses half and thirds of seasons all the time. Yeah, what a player. Um, so last week in the Europa League, uh, did you see the Ajax ball boy? Yeah, good. Holy shit, he pelted the ball back at the Roma defender. And then to add insult to injury, the Roma defender got a yellow card. 
Oh. Yeah, that was funny. I mean, that was petty. I mean, you're petty, but that was more petty than, than you are for sure. Um, yeah, um, oh. absolute banter from the ball boy. I would have chinned the kid and not thought twice. Um, and you see the classic on the weekend, so Real Madrid. I think Zidane's going to win the league. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's talks of him going to Juve and, and manage where he used to play, but um, I think he's just doing so well at Madrid. They went top. They beat Barca 2-1. Um, and it looked pretty comfortable, to be fair. I think they were 2-0 up, and then Barcelona, Barcelona got one late doors and did it without uh, Ramos and Varane as well, I think. Yeah, what a week. Um, and they were an absolute shit show when he was gone for that short period. Like, they just absolutely collapsed, and then he comes back in. Bang. Back on. Uh, the player whisperer. Yeah, we're taking over Carlo. Um, next one is Conte. Looks like he's going to win the title as well, breaking the Juve streak. Whoa. Um, and the hair? How's the hair looking over in Conte's Very side? good. He actually sprinted out for a celebration on the weekend when they got the equal, uh, the winner against Cagliari. So the hair stayed on, and he looked very happy with himself. Yeah, right. That's good. That's good so, look, I've got two more things I want to skip over one. So Luke Shaw in front of Jose. We'll come back to that. Last one is your boy Erling Haaland. So he's um he's known for his humility. And this week, him and Mino Riola are looking for a million a week. What do you make of that? A million that's reasonable? a week. It's just not reasonable, isn't it? But I wouldn't be surprised if he gets it. And who can pay those wages, though? Like, there's only a couple, like, Barcelona can't pay those wages. Real Madrid might be able to pay those wages. PSG can, Man City can. I don't even think Chelsea can at this point. I don't think they, I don't think anyone will. Like, it's just, oh, it's just too know. much. It's like, like, that's two and a half Kevin De Bruyne's. That's a a lot of Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, let's get into it. So, start this week with Fulham nil, Wolves 1. This game had some serious permutations for the relegation battle and Adama Traore scored for the first time since he started lifting weights. (laughs) So, that's a long time Um, because you can see the size of his neck. Um, (laughs) No, well, I think this is a real opportunity. I think if you're Fulham... Going into this game, I'm thinking, geez, this is a great chance for three points. Um, obviously, Newcastle form is not great, and you're thinking that, yeah, we can get a win here and um, potentially track them down. But they just slipped up here, and uh, who would have thought? It's weird to say, but an unlikely goal scorer in uh, Tororo. Yeah, and it was a late, late show as well, 92nd-minute winner. So that would have, you could see Scott Parker's heart break. Um, devastating for Scotty. But... So they, at the start of the weekend, they sit in 18th and they were three points behind Newcastle after this game. Wolves jumped up to 12th position. Um, and we'll get back to that later. But the next one was probably the most surprising result of the weekend. Man City 1, Leeds United 2. <laughs> Marco Bielsa, you're a genius. Yeah, like is the first thing um, that come to mind in this one was um, was Pep channeling um, a bit of Ari Redknapp playing Zinchenko at um, centre midfield? Did you see this? Yeah, bit of a risk. <laughs> so he put Zinchenko, his left back, in the centre mid, um, and that just all that did was throw me back to when Harry used to play two goalkeepers on the bench because he said he didn't have any players. Yeah. So the chairman had spring for more players, whether he was at um, Pompey or um, Spurs. Yeah, but I find, I, like, I get that. I get making the statement. But why do you start Zinchenko with Gundogan, De Bruyne and Phil Foden and Rodri all sitting on the bench? Like, you could have taken the whole midfield off and put different ones on. But I don't know. It was one eye on the Champions League potentially. Yeah, that would have to be it really because you wouldn't do it for any other reason. Like he started um, Bernardo Silva and Fernandinho um, next to him. So, yeah, odd selection by Pep. But I, like obviously City dominated the ball. I think they had, um, what have I got here, 71% possession. Um, and Leeds only had two shots on goal and scored two goals. So obviously Man City were dominant with the ball but just couldn't break them down. But I suppose let's go to the... Um, to the red card. Are you happy with the red card? Initially, um, Cooper's come in, tackled. He's been given a yellow, gone to VAR, flipped over from a yellow to a straight red. Happy with that? No, I wasn't. I was really unhappy with this, actually. Uh, I I felt like he was a bit hard done by because the ball's in like that weird range where he kind of has to reach for it. Like he clears it and he's reaching for it. 
so he can't like he can't go anywhere else. Like he's already off balance. Um, and then Jesus comes through. Like I know the alternative is Jesus not competing, but I I didn't think it was a red card. Like he gets the ball first, and then Jesus comes in. Like Jesus doesn't have to come in. Um, I I totally agree with you. I think that the the ball's there to be won, and he's won it. And then from that point, what is he supposed to do with his legs? Like kick yeah. the ball and then retract them as fast as he can. And I agree with you. Your point on Jesus, where he, Jesus got his, has a like a duty of care to himself to not keep running into that situation. Like he can see that he's going to be second to the ball, and if you keep running, at some point you're going to get kicked or you're going to run into the guy and fall over. So, yeah, I think, like, I know he got him high and it was after the ball was gone. So, But the ball's uh, only gone because he got to the ball. Exactly. So I think. Yeah, it's one of those rules where it looks like it's, like the referees made the right decision based on, you know, it's reckless or whatever you want to call it. But if you're a footballer and it's in a football, like it, it doesn't make sense for the game, but it makes sense for the rules. Does that yeah. make sense? And it really upset me because I was like, it's a like it's a risky player. The defender's done what he had to do and then he's punished because we're like in this phase now where we've got to try and protect everyone because duty of care, blah, blah. But Jesus doesn't have to go there. I was really, really aggrieved for Leeds United at this point. No, I agree, I agree with that. So at, at this stage, it's um, just clicked over to halftime then and Leeds are 1-0 up but one man down going into halftime. Yeah, it was the the goal was completely against run play. I just said so. It was good to see him going in, but then like City, like City were already on top, and they just du- absolutely doubled down after that, and they were just absolutely peppering them. But um, I think it's is it Pau Torres, no Fernand Torres. Torres. Fernand Torres, Fernand Torres gets the goal. Up, yeah, with the equaliser. But we're not done. We are not done. No. Wait, Dallas, playing in Northern Ireland, like in 2014. That's how far he's come. And then he bangs home the winner against Man City. Nice little strike too. Nice strike. So the whole goal was made up north. So Alioski from North Macedonia um, <laughs> flicks it through. And um, and as you say, Dallas has popped it in, um, Northern, Ireland, Northern Irish obviously, and um, scores, his, scores his goal. And what, are, what minute are we talking here? We're talking 92nd 90, minute. 92nd minute. Leeds winner. And do you see Bills after the game? Bielsa, through his translator, said that um, it was a good win. I'm glad we won. We did not deserve to win. Man City deserved to win, but that's football. Ah, stop, stop that purest bullshit and rub it in Pet's smug, bald head. Surely. This is the um, biggest hipster tie in the Premier League. Just, <laughs> you know, all those hipster fans about how, of the style Pet plays and Bielsa. So, yeah, one for the hipsters there. But Leeds will go, get away with the three points and Man City – Suffer their first defeat um, in the last four games too. So, yeah, it's, it's blown the title race wide open, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> United only eleven points back with a game in hand. Oh, I don't know. Potentially, it's on, but massive result leads there up to. Well, that moves them into the top Ten. half of the table. Yeah, yeah, they are the great entertainers, aren't they? Yeah, equal with points on Arsenal um, into 10th and obviously Man City um, started the week in first and looks like they're going to finish the season in first. But let's crack into the next one then. Uh, Liverpool at home to Villa. Liverpool 2, Villa 1. Yeah, so uh, good result for Liverpool here. The talking point in that first half is that offside. Did you see that? Jota's arm. Oh come on! I just you know I hate this. You're trying to roll me up. I can tell. <laughs> no, I just I just want to see the rules enforced correctly, and that arm is slightly over. Actually, I don't. Know, I honestly don't know if it was even the arm was offside. It just didn't look offside at all. No, a good ball by um, Trent Alexander Arnold though. Nice little diag there, and yeah, unfortunately ruled off. Yeah, so then nice bit of play, and then Ollie Watkins puts Villa into the lead. Probably not deserved from Villa's perspective, but um, but they'll take it. And the second half, Liverpool came out and they were quite inspired, I thought. Uh, Mo Salah yeah, that, on the that, money. That second half, I think Liverpool sort of stepped up and, and sort of played like the, their old team and finally shook that hoodoo of um, not winning at Anfield for a long time. But I thought um, it was interesting that um, Gareth was in the, in the stands for this one. And um, he saw a good display from uh, Trent, but mainly from Trent coming forward. 
So obviously he gets the goal, late doors, um, a nice finish, a little wrap these leg right around it whipped into the corner 90 plus one minutes gone and, and they get the win and then yeah a couple of nice diags and he was just yeah getting forward looking good but again it's his defending that was um testing him yeah what did you think on the ollie watkins goal did you think allison could do better that just felt rather straight um at him and allison was just a bit slow getting down just going through his hands and under him yeah i thought it might have been hard for him to see that was the only thing so it sort of swung across and then ollie watkins React quite quickly yeah, okay. to sort of I swing it home. Yeah, so it was yeah. A, I think it was a bit of a difficult one. I think Allison's kind of going the other way too. But um, no, yes, yeah, so a great, great three points for Liverpool. Obviously, Trent Alexander Arnold needed a bit of a shot in the arm for his confidence. Um, just to answer man some of the of those match. Oh, man of the match, Trent Alexander Arnold, which I thought was a big match. But uh, like a uh, yeah, some good play going forward. But um, we always knew he could do that, and then a nice goal late on. I thought Tyrone Mings had a tough game for Villa. I just thought he was um, just a bit patchy for me. Yeah, he doesn't want to do that this close to the Euros with Gareth and the crowd, does he? No. Not Is he on the plane in your team? I think so. He's not in my team, but I think he's in the squad, yeah. Yeah, there's not that many options there. Um, oh. <laughs> all right, so Liverpool jump up to sixth. Just three points behind fourth place West Ham, so things don't look so bad. Um, different for Villa. Started well, but now they've dropped down to 11th, 44 points. They've got a good gap over Wolves, so they'll they'll finish 11th or above. But um, they should do. But they should get Grealish back soon too. Like I think he was close to for coming back for this game, but um, couldn't exactly um, get himself cleared to play. But what do we think of Liverpool? Are they a shout for fourth? I mean, that that those that fourth spot is really starting to heat up. It is, it is. Uh, are they a shout for fourth? So I've got Chelsea in there. They're, they're like, I can definitely see them getting in there. And then it's hard to it's hard to say West Ham won't make it. Like Leicester City look like they're in a bit of a free fall right now. But uh, there's, a big, there's a big game coming up. So Liverpool have to play Leeds, have to play Newcastle. So they'll win both those, you'd imagine. Then they go up against Manchester United. Then Saints, West Brom, Burnley, Palace. So they should win. You know, 90% of the last game. So one, two, three, four, five, six. They should win six out of those seven, and Manchester United will be the variable one in there. So Yeah, that- but I think I think that I'd, I'd slightly disagree with that. I think obviously Man City will win the title. I think Man U will come second. I think uh, West Ham will finish third, and then now you've really got to roll the dice between Leicester, Chelsea, and Liverpool for that fourth spot. I think what like two of those two of those three miss out. It's a matter of who it is, really. Yeah, I think Liverpool's draw looks pretty good actually. So I think they will sneak into fourth. Mm, interesting. Leicester have a West Brom next, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move on to what was the shellacking of the week: Crystal Palace one, Chelsea four. Much talk about in this game outside of Chelsea being absolutely dominant. Jeez, Chelsea look really, really good. Really good form here. Um, like coming off, well, they slipped up in the their last prem game um, and and got a loss for Tommy Tuchel's boys um, for the first time uh, in the last prem game. But I thought um, Chelsea just looked really, really good. Chilwell was man of the match, um, and I thought he did really well in this game as well. Um, he got like Benteke's header for their only goal. He sort of jumped over Chilwell, but I'm not sure there's much. <laughs> I don't think anyone can stop that. Really. You could jump over him, yeah. And and to be fair, like I don't know why your left back's competing in that area. You'd probably rather um, one of your three centre backs you've got there to to do it. But yeah, he jumped over um, Chilwell for that. But apart from that, I thought Chilwell was really good. Um, and then Havertz played up front in like a false nine type thing for the first time. Um, Werner hasn't been picked for in a long time, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, Havertz looked excellent too. And I don't know if that was just because Palace was so poor or he just looked that good. But potentially he's finding his feet. But his combination with Pulisic looked really dangerous. Um, did you see Havertz's touch from the oh. ball over the top for the greater save? Jorginho. Yeah, yeah. Jorginho's Holy ball over the top. Shit. And then that with his left foot and then his volley on his right foot just didn't connect well. But, I mean, that first touch would melt your face. Yeah, I think Ward's coming across and he absolutely mugs him off with that touch, like straight over his head. Didn't realise he had it in the locker. So potentially good signs for Chelsea there, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think people were sort of throwing him around as a bit of a flop signing, but he seems to just take it a little bit longer than some of the others to to bet in, but he looks really good. And then can everyone take a note of um, Cesar Asper Aqueta's hand? 
He has the most injured hand of all time. Next time you're watching Chelsea, you watch him. He's, his hand's just like heavily bandaged. And I feel as though it's been bandaged for like six, 16, 20 months. Luis Suarez had his done for like 15 years. Honestly, we'll mark that down. Episode 51 is the first time that <laughs> I've said it on the pod and I've said it's been running for a long time. So we'll keep an eye on that. Asper Quetta, hand to watch. Yeah, apparently Diego Costa bit him a couple of years back and still infected. <laughs> um, all right, so big off. win for Chelsea. So they're fifth, uh, just a point behind West Ham in fourth. Crystal Palace, 38 points, safe. And I think they're going to be, if you're going to avoid watching one team for the rest of the year, make Crystal Palace. Uh, they've got a habit of doing this once they get safe. They just so yeah, they just cruise. Yeah, yeah. Roy gets a job done, and that's it. So let's move Pretty on cool. to this humdinger. So Burnley one, Newcastle two. You can open up, but you know exactly where I'm going with this one, don't you? Yeah. Well, I think the Bruce's boys looked very, very uninspired, um, and that was sort of the trend of the trend of the game, really. Um, at least for the first 60 minutes or so. Um, and then from he pulled two changes. What, Wilson come on and St. Maxima come on yep. um, and, and just flipped the game on his head, which I'm sure you're lining up to talk about. But I'm not really happy that um, Dubravka's in the Newcastle team and not my boy Darlow. Uh, Dubravka um, had a good so game, actually. He did, and but that, I wasn't really happy with that. I think like Joel Linton and Dwight Gale, I think their time is numbered at the club considering that, um, yeah, Wilson's the main man and St. Maximus form. So, go on, mate. There you go. Set it oh, up now. So, interesting start. So, obviously, Burnley jumped out of the gates. Dominant first half. Um, nice strike from uh, Vidra from Chris Wood's cross. Uh, that was a little bit too easy. Did you see Sean Longstaff almost gets head knocked off by Tarkovsky in the first half? <laughs> yeah. How's that not yeah. a penalty? Well, I, I, the, one, the first thing that came to my mind was anywhere else in the pitch, that's a free kick. Um, and how is that not given? But um, the vicious slap in the face to Sonny, <laughs> that will come to that, I'm sure. I, I don't know. I was genuinely like, shit, he almost took his head off. Lord Alan Shearer was going to have a stroke watching that. Like, he was so angry at halftime. Um, but look, 63rd minute, Callum Wilson comes back. He's obviously been absolutely critical. But Alan St. Maximan comes on. I think he comes on about oh, mid-50 minutes. Just immediately starts doing it. Alan St. Maximan shit, like taking players on, selling way too many dummies, lays one in for Murphy. Great first strike from Murphy as well, like first-time strike, lashed at home. And then Alan St. Maximan got in on the action himself. He's just, he's just all action. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how much controlled action it is, but it is it is action. Um, he come on at, yeah, what, 60 minutes, I think you mentioned, and he was man of the match. And I loved how excited Brucey was when he scored that second goal. Brucey, he just could not believe it. It's so, it was so good to see him back on the pitch too because he's had a torrid time. I think he got COVID, he got injured, like, and it took him a while to get back. And he, he's a player who just looks genuinely happy to be out there too. Um, so I was really happy to see it. And he's just such a bloody entertainer. And so big news for the Toon Army is they get a crucial three points. They go up to 32 points. They're now six points ahead of Fulham. Is that it? Is the relegation oh, battle done? I think it's done. I can't see how Fulham will pull that back. Fulham are on a run of four losses in a row. Newcastle picking up the um, odd points. Like they've won, well, they've won two in a row now, I think, in the, in the Prem. Um, picked up a couple of draws as well and along the along the way. And Fulham have played an extra game. Fulham played 32 games. So All right, yeah, I think I'm, gonna, Newcastle... I'm just going to throw something in the mix here. So this is the fixture list for Newcastle. So they have West Ham, Liverpool. Arsenal, Leicester, Man City, Sheffield United, and then Fulham on the last day. That's true, but I mean, whatever Fulham's run is, they just don't win games. And realistically, <laughs> they've got to win. No, well, if, if, they go, if they've got six games left, realistically, they're going to have to win four of them to stay up, I think. Yeah, and like I suppose looking at their fixtures, they've got Arsenal, Chelsea, Burnley, Southampton, United, Newcastle. So they could win. They could win a couple of those. Like they could probably beat Arsenal. Chelsea, unlikely. Burnley, they could definitely beat. Southampton, they Arsenal could beat. Last day, yeah. United might be, like, United might have the queue in the rack by the second last game of the season if they've got a Europa League final. Um, and then yeah, full of Newcastle last day. So, yeah. And it depends, depends when you get Man City. Like, Man City would could mathematically have had the title won at, at that point for when Fulham played them. 
um, and have you know Champions League tie on on the horizon. So yeah, yeah could be I think fifteen parts. <laughs> Moving on to the next one. So this one. No, hang on. You you didn't tell me whether you think it's done. Uh, Not quite. Not quite done yet. I think. I think. I think there's still. I think Scotty Parker's got something left in him. I'd love to see Brighton go down too because they're they're a team that's (laughs) big on the philosophy. So I'd love to see them go down just to support my argument. All right. So let's move on. So West Ham three, Leicester City two. The Jay Lynn show. Yeah, just that really hurt watching that. I've, it was at, I think kickoff was 11 o'clock our time, um, PM. And um, yeah, it was just really disappointing. I was a bit shocked at the Leicester team initially that got rolled out. And then I was reading the news. And so there was um, three late changes due to COVID breaches. So James Madison and Hamza Chowdhury went to a party at Aoze at Perez's house. Um, which is outside the protocols, and yeah, word got back to Leicester, and they were all banned for this game. So, you know, Leicester waited so long to get Madison back, and um, he was his chance, and he's gone out to a party and uh, couldn't couldn't make the team. So, yeah, I think Leicester was weakened a little bit, but realistically, it wouldn't have made much um, difference because West Ham just looks so like so powerful and so like potent every time they're coming forward they look like they're going to score and Leicester just looks so dodgy at the back a couple of long straight balls with um getting them done and Jalen's in the form he's in um yeah was finishing so what's he done nine games eight goals at the moment yeah so I'm, I'm really disappointed in James Madison doing this um because I I think he should be in the England team for the Euros in the squad whether or not squad, he starts yeah. I don't know but he's been criticised in the past, and I know he's been seen as a bit of a bad apple as well. And, like, doing shit like this, this close to the Euros, like, just put your head down for three months. Do you know what I mean? Like, keep playing, do the right things, and get yourself in the Euro squad. Yeah, I 100% agree. But it looks like he's got some some problems there. And I think potentially that's what also held him back to why a bigger club hasn't come in for him. Um, yeah, that type of attitude-based stuff, which I'm sure these clubs do their do their research on. Like they're not yeah. just watching games; like they're doing a full, you know, um, character assessment as well to see how they fit in the squad. But yeah, potentially that's why he will miss out on the Euros um, and why he hasn't got a, a bigger move. But I, I watched to halftime and like we were three 0 down, getting battered, and I was like, "That's enough for me. I can't watch this anymore." So yeah. that first strike from Lingard. Was cracking strike. Oh, he just takes everything first time and and does so well with it. Like mm. recently, he's hit a couple of volleys and a couple of things across the keeper. Not specifically in this game, but his um his goals, yeah. And then the the tap in um free second one was rather straightforward as well. As I said, a couple of straight balls that just did Leicester, um, which seemed far too easy. Um, but where has Jamie Vardy gone? Yeah, he's been he's been getting heavily criticised in some group chats that I'm a part of. Um, hasn't scored since Christmas, which was yeah. which was told to me this morning by someone who doesn't really watch soccer. And I was like, shit, that's a long time. That's four months. Considering how potent he is, and he's fit and in the team and getting picked every week, that that is unbelievable. Yeah, that he hasn't scored that many goals. Um, flip side though, if we go to Lingard. What if you're Ollie? What are you doing with, with Lingard? He's gone out to West Ham and done really well and settled in, and his price has obviously gone up. So, are you saying, oh, let's cash out our chips and and take a big fee for him, or are you saying mm, he's got something to offer and I'll bring him back in? Which camp are you in? I'm in the sell him camp. I think it's best for all yeah. parties. Like I think you get, you might get thirty million for him, which is great. Um, and he seems like he's enjoying himself too. So I think, like I know, it's probably won't be factored into this brutal business world that we live in. But like he's having a great time under Moisey. He's goes back to United to sit on the pine. He's just going to go down in value. I think they cash out now because West Ham have to pay a bit of a premium on him because of the form he's in. What do you reckon? Yeah. I, I I agree. I think if you're Lingard um, and you've got your football head on, this is there's no better place to be. I mean, you're in the team every week. You're obviously loving your football. Um, Moisey loves you, and I'm sure the West Ham fans have already taken to you. You're probably going to play Champions League football um, next season, and you're the first one on the team sheet every week. So that makes complete sense. Having said that, if we're like from to go from Manchester United to West Ham. Will he have to take a little haircut on his wages? Maybe I don't know. It depends if they made the Champions League or not, and um, and how much, how many wages, how much 
he's like initially on from Man U, which I'm sure he's not playing for free. So, yeah, yeah they're probably the two big hurdles for me, what Lingard actually wants to do with his football and the wages. Yeah, no. So hopefully, I, I think it's best for all parties if he um, stays at West Ham. Hopefully, it works out. But there was a couple of cracking goals from Ian Acho at the end. They're absolute bullet for. Yeah. I think it's the second goal. Is it the first goal, or second goal, first goal. Well, absolute first goal. Yeah, he just a little half turn and cracked it on his left foot. I mean, he's in really good form. His form has sort of coincided with Vardy's um, dip in form. So I'm not sure whether they're, they're doing something slightly different um, in terms of their runs or their structures or the patterns of play. But, mm. yeah, it seems as though Vardy's just handed his goals over to Ian Acho. He's in really good form. The only upside for Leicester is that um, we went 3-0 down and showed some character to, to get back. Um, scored a goal in the 70th minute, Ian Acho's first goal, as you said there, and then got one late doors um, to really push on and, and try and get something out of the game. But it was done by them and it, w- and it would have been unfair to West Ham if Leicester had salvaged a draw, I would think. Yeah, so West Ham up to fourth. David Moyes' West Ham with seven games to go are fourth. Leicester City third on 56 points. It's going to be a frantic finish for West Ham, isn't it? I mean, that's just so juicy, that last Premier League. Those last two Premier League spots are are just, yeah, that's probably the one to watch. I think the title race is gone and... I think the battle um, down the basement is pretty much all but done as well. So, yeah, that's probably the real thing to look look at and watch. So if I had said to you third were playing fourth this weekend, it was going to be Leicester City, West Ham, you would have been like, that's crazy. If I said third was playing fourth this weekend, it would be Manchester United, Tottenham, you'd be like, yep, that feels about right. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about second place Manchester United getting the job done against Jose's seventh place Spurs. What did you make of this one? And is Jose just coming across as a big sook now? Oh, he is, um, <laughs> which is disappointing because I like Jose and I don't like that he sort of complains and whinges like this. It's just it's just so frustrating. But, um, I mean, let's go to the, the disallowed goal um, initially. Um, Tom little brush on Sonny. And so I've got nothing against Sonny. He got, like, touched in the face or clipped in the face is probably stretched. Touched is probably understated. Um and but McTominay can't see him. Son's got his hand up. McTominay's got his hand up. McTominay's forward and he's taller. So, yeah, touches him in the face. And Son goes down, which I don't really blame him for. But, I mean, come on. If we're giving – we're stopping goals because of that and giving away free kicks because of that, game's bloody gone, mate. Come on. But, like, the, surely the referee has to apply, like, some semblance of discretion there. Even the VAR – like, VAR has to put their hand up. Like this, everyone's so worried about making a mistake or missing something. Like VAR's got to put their hand up and be like, "Don't look at this. Like it's not worth it." Like I know, I know it's how it appears, be- but my god. I mean, I appreciate he's touched his face, and obviously you can't do that. But I mean, there's got to be a degree of like um, force that has to be applied. That that touch to the face didn't get him in the eye the nose or the mouth or any point, it just touched his face, there's no way that is enough for you to go down on the ground and and for a free kick but to be given. It's a, it's a contact Terrible. sport. Like invariably there's going to be contact. Like I, sure. I just I just cannot get my head around how like if you get touched in the face like going up for a header, like like it, it, you kind of expect it. Do you know what I mean? Like you're not you're not like oh no like it's different now like it just there's nothing in that at all and you can look at that a hundred times and like no football fan is going to be like oh that's a foul. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it was, yeah, it's yeah, so frustrating and disappointing that that stuff's getting pulled up. But then, so that gets disallowed. I think that was Cavani's goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah great ball yeah, for Cavani's goal. That was a really nice. Um, Popper did really well in this game actually. Um, but then just before halftime, Sonny gets his goal. Um, cut back from Lucas Mora and um, passed in and Spurs went into the break 1-0 up, probably undeservedly so at that point, don't you think? Uh, I think outside of the goal, Manchester United were very poor. Um, so that, that moment... So it's Spurs, was, like Spurs went to Yeah, Spurs, Spurs were probably the better of two poor teams. Um, Spurs, are, Spurs are a bloody tough watch. Yeah, like outside of that goal moment, Manchester United were very poor and I think Spurs looked slightly more ominous in what was a pretty poor first half. But as is typically the way, Manchester United coming out, breathing fire in the second half, absolutely ran away with it. 
Oh, can can I go off on Eric Dyer before you go onto these goals? Please do. I always enjoy a good Eric Dyer bashing. So specifically Eric Dyer, <laughs> but really the whole Spurs back four, right? So you go and watch uh, Fred's goal and the other goal, Cavani. So the disallowed goal and Fred's goal. Yep. Go back and watch those and have and put play cam on Eric Dyer. So he just loses his runner completely. And the whole time, he is just very reactive. And he keeps trying to appeal for offside. So he's appealing for offside and not tracking back, specifically on the Fred goal. You watch, he just turns over the linesman and puts his hand up um, and appeals as opposed to getting back and being able to clear it. So Lloris taps it down. And realistically, if he had followed in, he would have been there much earlier than Fred and and could have cleared that. So my, my question is, why is he putting his hand up and overlooking at the linesman when you know at this stage and how VR works that the linesman's told not to put his flag up. So he won't be calling anything, even if it's close. So don't. there's no point appealing for him. And you know every goal goes to VAR. VAR. So why it, would you be running around with your hand up the whole time? He did it for like the whole second half and for the disallowed goal. He runs around with his hand up appealing for offside. I'm like, Eric... They don't put their flags up anymore. They wait for the the whole thing's over. Stop appealing for offside and just play. It's so oh, it was unbelievable. The Fred goal's the the worst one of the yeah. example. But I think I think that's just indicative of Tottenham right now. Like they're just looking for excuses. They're looking for someone to blame. They're looking for someone to go out and do the hard yards for them. But they just, I, I just they look so I lazy. Believe, I can't believe like not specifically Jose, but someone in his coaching staff um, hasn't just looked at that and gone oh. Guys, just so you know, don't appeal for offside ever anymore. Because, like in Sunday League, if if the flag, if there's an offside close call and you appeal for it, yes, you might be able to talk him into it, or you might be able to. He might be able to go, "Oh yeah, yeah, right, that is offside," and put his flag up. Here, it just they don't do that. Like it's literally not the rules anymore. So uh, he's just got to move on and just play football and and either track a runner um, or just scramble after the fact. But, I mean, running around with your hand up, calling for offsides these days, he just looks like an absolute prat. Yeah, and they've, they, they've got a lot more problems at the back than the offsides too. But um, so Fred tucks one home. Fred doesn't score goals, so you're in. You're having problems there. Then Cavani with a nice header. Uh, the build-up play for that goal was absolutely beautiful. Um, Pogba's strength slides it out to Greenwood and then Cavani with a great header. Great finish by Cavani. What happens with him at the end of this year? Do mean you offer him something? And if they do, does he take it? My understanding is they have offered him something, but he hasn't taken it because his family is not living with him. Um, so he wants so he's to go to Argentina, that's the word on the street. Yeah, yeah, I think he wants to leave, which is sad because it's, he seems to be like, oh, I don't know, he's just his work rate. Like you watch him as a fan and he's a player that you can immediately get behind. Like he, just his work rate and his intensity and his desire. Like I feel like if Anthony, like they brought him in for Anthony Martial just to watch him and be like, look at him go. Look at all those runs he's making. Look at all these chances he's creating. Uh, I don't know what Tony Martial is doing, but like I feel like if you want to play nine and you're like not the most talented striker, just watch watch Edison Cavani. Like his work mm. rate is just phenomenal. I'm sure he's great for Greenwood and um, and Rashford as well. Really, yeah. watching him play. So yeah, I think he's got a good influence. So speaking of Greenwood, he picks up the the late goal. Yeah, lashes one home. Good on you, Mason. Just tucked one home. Again, Oh, every time. Like, he shouldn't be beaten from there. But um, good to see Pogba again slides one out to Greenwood and tucks it home. So 3-1 for Manchester United. Probably on the balance of the two halves. Deserved it. Um, and then we've got to listen to Jose complaining after the game, making excuses yeah. for a poor performance. <laughs> you had something about Son's dad or something like that? He's yeah, lucky. so Ollie, Ollie made the comment, um, if my son was um, went down like that with his friends or something, you wouldn't, like, he wouldn't be fed. So, like, Jose's tried to jump on that and he's like, oh, what sort of father is he? You know, you have to feed your children because someone's asked Jose what about the result. So, mm. he's just, like, he's just grandstanding at this point. It's really disappointing because it didn't – like, at no point was he like, oh, look, you know, we did this wrong, we did this wrong, we need to correct this. He's just, like, looking for someone to blame, um, which is at this point. So, interesting stat come out of this one. I know you do love the stats. So, Jose Mourinho – has suffered 10 league defeats in a single season for the first time in his entire managerial career. Jeez, he's on the other side, isn't he? He's going to have to go to international football. Yeah, the Portugal job, I think. Time is right. But Manchester United, 
So just confirming they are second and the title race is still on. Only 11 points. Only 11 points behind City with a game in hand. Uh, I think Pep's starting to get a little bit nervous. Tottenham uh, stay seventh. Everton have two games in hand behind them um, and are two points behind them. So I think Tottenham are in genuine trouble here for missing the Europa League. Yeah, well, they're, they're definitely outside the, the race for the top four. I think there's sort of clearly another um, bracket outside of um, sort of Man City and Manchester United um, in those teams that we spoke about. And then, yeah, outside of Liverpool, if you go down to sort of Spurs, Everton and Arsenal Leeds, you've got another bracket there. So, yeah, those are ones that we're fighting it out for um, the Europa League spots, I think. But, yeah, Tottenham better pick themselves up. Otherwise, they will miss out completely. All right, let's touch on this one quickly. So Arsenal 3, Sheffield United 2. Um, not much to talk about here. Sheffield United suck and Arsenal are struggling. But um, the only thing I really care about here is the injury to Saka. Yeah, Saka got injured. Like He had a good chance, to, but he blazed one over on his left foot. I thought... Um, I thought Lacazette was good, and um, I mean he's really scoring some goals. I'd love to see his um, his stats sort of year on year. I think this has been one of his most fruitful years. No Bamiang for Arsenal. I couldn't work out if he was injured or is this another discipline thing? What happened with him? I don't know. No, I don't know, don't know. But that that front um, that front four I thought was quite impressive, just in that space that they had Pepe Saka, um, Saka in like a number ten role, and then Martinelli as well. And Saka and Martinelli, I just feel like if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be really excited about that combination. Yeah, Martinelli looked good. I, I thought the um, he made some really good runs and it just, just his finishing could have improved slightly. He could have got himself um, a, another goal. But Sheffield United um, stay last and Arsenal into ninth um, and they got some work to do really yeah. um, in the last, last set of games. Um, so that is it for the Prem that's been played. So let's move on to a little bit of a preview. Big one here, huge. West Brom, Southampton. West Brom at home. What are you thinking? Jeez. Uh, two teams. Not very impressive lately. I think Southampton will win this one quite comfortably. Yeah, West Brom are rubbish. Southampton will beat them away from home here. And I think Big Sam will watch his press conference because he's going to have something tasty to say after, especially if they lose. Brighton at home to Everton in the other game. What do you got? Yeah, no, I like Everton. I think they they should be. They've had a couple of. They've had a pretty poor run recently. So lost two, drawn one, um, but they should be better than Brighton, shouldn't they? Shouldn't they? I hope so. <laughs> you think so, but you don't know with um, Everton. They are up and down all season. I thought I've seen some good signs from Brighton. I mean, they were being spoken about in the conversation. Um, to go down. But, yeah, I think they've sort of done enough to sort of skip away from Newcastle and Fulham. So their form has been reasonable. Um, and I think the international break came at a bad time for them. So I I, I would have tipped them. Um, but given the break, I'm not sure how they're going to come out and turn back. So I'm going to say a draw in this one. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's move on to the big ticket item this week. So it <laughs> is Champions League week. We've had a bit of a break. Mbappe's scoring goals for fun. So you've got PSG 3, Bayern Munich 2. Who's going through in this one? I know you're a big Bayern fan. Can they get it yeah. done in Paris? I still, I still think they can get it done. I know three away goals for PSG is huge, but I still think Bayern can get it done. I think like Bayern could easily go there and, and win 3-0. So. All right, let me, let me run some names, th- throw some names at you that aren't going to be playing this game. Robert Lewandowski. Serge Nabry's got um, COVID-19. Kingsley Coman's got a knee complaint. Goretzka was ruled out on the weekend. And then um, there's question marks over Kimmich, but I think he's going to play. Yeah, the one thing that gives me solace out of that is that I think Bayern are a systems team. So they're one of the teams where you can sort of slot in players into certain roles. Um, and the whole system won't break down. Like they're not that far dependent on one player, except for Lewandowski. That really does hurt. I appreciate that. But all, all the rest of them, I think they've got players to cover those, and they slot in. They do the same role, um, and that's why they're so great. So I'm sticking with Bayern. Um, 
but appreciate that this is looking real tasty. What are you thinking, PSG? Yeah, it's, I, I think PSG are going through. I think Lewandowski yeah. is too. Yeah, it's too big too of big. an obstacle yeah. to overcome. Nabry getting ruled out as well. Um, I think PSG are going to be missing Marquinhos, but Poch has got Poch has got a bit of a like a good run in this competition. Like he got Spurs to the final when like no one genuinely believed that could happen. He did it. So he seems to have um, like a bit of a reputation in the competition. And in, they're actually not doing too well in the league either. So they really need to win this. So I think yeah. they're going to I think they're going to get this done. I think Nene and Mbappe is going to be too sharp for too Bayern sharp. Munich. I think the, the scoreline is like a little bit misleading. I know obviously PSG are extremely sharp up front and would take sort of any half chances you give them. But I think you look at the stats in that first game, Bayern had 31 shots and PSG had six. So I think if you're just looking at the score, you're thinking, oh, gee, PSG did really well and beat them away from home. And I was like, yeah, but they didn't really create a whole lot. Yeah. However, they're just like Mbappe and um, and obviously Neymar's finishing is just, just world class. They're just so potent. So I think, no. yeah. I, I think you're right because like what, what came out of that game or what the headline was, so if you just picked up the headline was Mbappe double. Yes. That didn't, that didn't tell the story of the whole game. The, the actual – like other part of the story was Kaylor Navas had the game of his life. Yeah, um, that, made some great yeah. saves. Yeah. yeah, he was absolutely. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. But mm. um, yeah, I suppose that that headline doesn't tell the story, which sort of goes to your point. But I still think that just because of the position of strength they're in right now, Bayern have to push. And I think with that pace on the break, like it's just going to be absolutely electric. All right. How good is awesome. the bloody Champions League? Hey. <laughs> Oh, now we got Chelsea Porto. So Chelsea leading two 0 on aggregate. How do you think this one's going to go? Will Pepe get a red card? I don't think he will. Um, I was talking to a mate about Pepe the other day, actually, and um, I went to see him at um, when he was out playing for Real Madrid. And the, the perception of him I had in my head was that you know he's a bit of a thug, and well, not a thug. That's too harsh, but. You know, a bit rough, and you know, it was more about you know winning tackles and and playing short pass and stuff. When I went to see him watch him live, man, his passing was outrageous. Just the amount of like pace on all of his passes, and just his awareness, he was just unbelievable. So, there's my little Pepe story. Um, but I think yeah, this one is one of the ties where I think it's it's too far gone. Um, and I think now Chelsea coming back home um, will help them as well. I think two nil. And the way that Chelsea are playing and the way that they play on the weekend, I just think they'll be too strong for Porto. So I've got Chelsea going through on this one. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I also agree with you about Pepe. I reckon he's one of the more underrated footballers. Like, in fact, that he's 37 years old and he put on a masterclass in the semifinal, uh, quarterfinal as well. But he's an outstanding player. But yeah, I think Chelsea are just going to be too slick for Porto in this one, um, which potentially sets up a mouthwatering tie. If Chelsea go through and PSG go through, Thomas Tuchel could be managing against the team that sacked him this year in the Champions League. The Tommy Tuchel derby. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? Imagine seeing that. So so they're on the same side. So the winner of PSG Bayern will play the winner of Chelsea Porto. Is that the story? That's it, yeah. Yeah, so I've got Bayern playing Chelsea and you've got PSG playing Chelsea. Yeah, I've got the Tuchel derby. Righto. You've got the Balak derby. Um, all right, so let's move on. So Liverpool 1, Real Madrid 3. What do you think about this one? Is this one of those nights at Anfield? Mm, you can't you can't say that, I don't think, just based on Liverpool's form. Um, however, I think if anyone could pull something out back at Anfield, um, it, well, sorry, in this situation, especially back at Anfield, it will be Liverpool. However, there's no fans there, so I think that really plays against them. I think this, this tie is probably too far gone. I don't think um, Liverpool are in good form. So I'm just, I'm just going to stick with Real Madrid to to win this. I think they they beat um they beat Liverpool sort of under strength, and they also beat Barca on the weekend when they're under strength. So I just think once they get Varane back, um, potentially Ramos back, they should be okay to win. What do you think? Uh, so I don't know if the I'm just checking now the team's news, but I don't know if Sergio Ramos will play. But Varane is definitely out, and so is Eden Hazard. So in case you're wondering, and Luca Vasquez got ruled out this week as well. So they do have some injury problems. But I think the most interesting narrative of the first leg was Trent Alexander-Arnold's woes versus Tony Cruz's passing. 
Like if you ever wanted, and I think Trent Alexander-Arnold gets a bit of a bad rap for like, oh, he's not a very good defender. He was never a right back growing up, so like he is effectively learning how to defend. That's what, like his ball playing is excellent. Like no one doubts that. But like his positioning, oftentimes like Tony Cruz over the top to Vinicius, like he was caught out a number of times. In the first leg, Real Madrid were clearly targeting that side. Yeah, like definitely. They picked, they picked on him and, and worked it out and clearly watched some tape on it. Um, and, yeah, Cruz just kept looking to get in behind, looking to sort of pick someone out and get them in behind um, Trent Alexander-Arnold, and it worked. Do you think that Kloppo is going to back him in this one and leave him 100%. in there? Or yep. do you think you wouldn't play James Milner there? Not anymore because now you need to go out and score goals. And so yeah. if you want to do that, then you do play Trent. I think if if the scoreline was reversed, then you might try and play, as you say, Milner to sit sit in and try and protect the three one lead. But Liverpool have to go out on the front foot and and um, and hunt Real Madrid. I think uh, so. That's what they really need to do if they're going to turn this tie around. I just think Real Madrid will be too classy and being in too many pressure situations not to be able to deal with what Liverpool have to give them. So I've got Real Madrid going through. All right, I'm going to go with Liverpool. I'm going for one of, I'm going really? for one of, yeah one of those nights at Anfield. I think they're just going to find something here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I know Last it's a risk, then. but yeah, I think uh, just it's absolutely mouth watering because they you're right. They do. It's two goals. So they have to go for it. Like, they can't sit back and be like, oh, we'll pinch one later. So they have to yeah. go for it. Um, and I think that actually plays into their hands. Um, all right. So Dortmund one, Man City two, the Haaland derby, as in Alf Inga versus Erling. Who do you like in this one? Man City. I don't think you can go past Man City against anyone at the moment. Um, Not even Leeds. Oh, yeah, but they rotate their team, to be fair. Um, And they've clearly had some rested players uh, for that. So, yeah, I think they'll turn it back on against Dortmund. I think they'll get it done. I think this one will be more comfortable than the first leg. And the reason for that is I think, obviously, Dortmund need to go out and get their goal. So, I think when Dortmund step out and try and play, um, I think they'll get hurt. via Man City winning the ball in a high area and, and punishing Dortmund. But I was really impressed with Dortmund when they played against Man City in the first leg. I think they gave them troubles and I think some different calls from VAR and the referee mm. and um, Belling would have Belling would have scored that goal and it could have been very different. But I'm going with Man City to go through to the semi-final against Real Madrid. What are you thinking? So I've got a stat here. So in UEFA Champions League history, the side winning the first leg of a knockout stage tie 2-1 at home has been eliminated more often than they've progressed. So what are you saying? Never go up 2-1. Yeah, that's the worst lead to have. I told you before to never lead a game. A great coach once told you that. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, look, uh, I think City should be too good. But you're right. They did cause them problems. And Haaland was a real bastard in the first leg, Pep said. And I think he can do it again. I saw that. I love that. Um, But I think that was him buttering him up for next year. But they, they certainly have tools that can hurt Manchester City, don't they? But I think City should be too good. Should be. Should be. They should be too good, but we'll see. Yeah. So so I've got uh I have a Bayern Chelsea semi on one side. I have a Real Madrid Man City semi on the other side. Okay. All right. So I've got I've got PSG Chelsea, the Tuchel Derby, and then I've got Liverpool going up against Man City, um, which would have been a massive game last year, but this year probably just a walk in the park for City. All right, so um if you want to get in touch with us, that's all we've got. So if you send us an email at footballplayed.paper at gmail.com, uh, Facebook football played on paper, Insta at football on paper, and Twitter at football on pods. Beautiful. All right. Enjoy the Champions League and talk to you next week.